right. Welcome to episode number four of the top 10 list for 2020. Uh, my name is Chris, and I am still your host. And I really apologize about the, the lack of episodes here recently. Uh, so unfortunately, this episode was intended for Christmas Eve night. I was going to put out some content there for uh, any of you guys that might be bored on Christmas Day. You'd have something to possibly listen to and entertain yourself with for a few moments. But uh, unfortunately, I was about 35 minutes into this podcast and within about five minutes of ending it, my power went out. Uh, and did not come back for a few hours and then intermittently went off and on uh, for the rest of Christmas Day. So that was uh, that was horribly unfun, and unfortunately I lost all of the audio from that original podcast. So what we are going to be doing today is we are going to combine that podcast. Uh, we're going to be re-recording it today, and then I am also going to be including one extra knife. So we are on the top six right now. So we are going to do uh, numbers four, five, and six today. So as per normal, uh, let's go ahead and start out with the quote for today's episode. This quote comes from none other than Winston Churchill, uh, Prime Minister of Great Britain uh, in some rather perilous times in the history of the world. And this quote goes as follows, success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is courage to continue that counts. And wow. So this is uh, three lines of text, uh, not very many words. And this was one thing that that Churchill was really great with. He was a brilliant speaker, uh, known to obsess about his speeches and want to make sure that they were were clear and concise. Um, a lot of his speeches are quoted uh, even today by noted leaders throughout the world. So let's break this one down. Success is not final. So this is a big one, and uh, this topic actually comes up quite a lot in in conversation with a lot of people. So uh, what will happen a lot is people will achieve success, some some form of success, whether it's a, a YouTuber hitting a, a milestone, milestone uh, with their, their followers or subscribers or somebody in business hitting a, a monetary goal that they had. Um, success isn't a finality. It doesn't mean that once you reach your goal, that that goal is always reached forever and always. We have to continue to strive to achieve or reachieve that success, uh, which leads into the second part of this quote. Failure is not fatal. One thing that stands in the way of our success is us, and it, it's, it's fear of failure. This is a reminder that failure uh, typically is not fatal. I'm sure there are always instances where you could say, well, you know, you could fail at trying to fly. You're going to hit and splat the ground. Uh, obviously, you know, failure is fatal in that, in that context. But when you're talking about uh, everything else, business, socially, it's just fear that we have to, to work with. So failure is not fatal. And the last part is it is courage to continue that counts. So 
if you have achieved success, you have to have the courage to continue. You have to fight on. You have to continue to work hard, maybe even harder to continue to have that level of success or to gain more success and notoriety. Failure is not fatal. So we have to have the courage to try. And if we have the courage to try and we fail, it's not fatal. We need to continue, have the courage to continue. So really awesome quote uh, by Churchill. Um, He is, like I said, a very fantastic uh, person from world history. So let's get into the knives. So number six, and my note here is not quite top five material. And this is going to surprise a lot of people that this knife is uh, where it is on the list at number six. This is the Grimsmo Norseman. Uh, so the Norseman that I have here in my hand is number 2842. Uh, it, it has been aftermarket anodized, but the blade is still um, still the manufacturer's uh, original. So uh, Grimsmo, the company, uh, was a garage business that started in 2008. Uh, and amazingly... Um, was started by a self-taught CNC machinist, uh, which to those of you that don't um, don't kind of understand what CNCing is, he does it all on computer automated uh, stuff now. But it still takes a very detailed and analytical perspective to get those machines to do what they need to. So you have to understand how to draw in CAD. You have to know how to use the programs. It's a very detailed and intricate. Um, task to complete. So being self-taught in this is actually really quite, quite phenomenal. Um, I'm, I'm also thinking, I don't remember the quote quite offhand, but, uh, a, a newer guy, Elon Musk talked about this, you know, how college is kind of useless. We have a wealth of knowledge out there that's at our fingertips. All we have to do is have the willingness to go out and get it. And the Grimsmo brothers are the epitome of that. They've built this company on teaching themselves how to do probably most everything. Uh, so self-taught CNC machinist, and he started out with knife-making Tuesdays. So one day a week he made knives in a garage. That's how this company started. Uh, the company has since grown substantially uh, in staff and in its prominence uh, in the EDC community. So most of the time, if you say Grimsmo or Norseman or Saga or Rask, uh, everybody's going to know what you're talking about if they have at least one toe dipped in the water of EDC. Uh, they are that well-known. And the the knives are almost a currency amongst themselves. If you have the right one, if you have it still factory, if you have it brand new in box, or, and I've seen this all the time online, if you have that uh, buyer's choice link that gets sent out where you get to choose uh, how something is made, I have actually seen people pay a hundred, hundred and fifty dollars for a buyer's choice link. And that's not even buying the knife. That's buying the ability to choose the knife and then buy it. So really, really significant in the in the EDC company, uh, in the EDC community right now. Uh, and they've they've grown significantly. So not now not only is it the two brothers, but you also have a lot of other workers. They're supporting other businesses, they're buying equipment, they're doing all kinds of really amazing things up there in Canada. So let's talk about the knife. Um, 
Today's knife is the Norseman. Uh, I unfortunately do not have a Rask. Um, and if I did have a Rask, it would definitely, in my opinion, be top five list material. Uh, but the Norseman, the name Norseman actually means man of the north. Uh, and this knife is a very well-sized utilitarian style uh, Tanto uh, blade. <clears throat> Yet another kind of beat the heck out of it kind of knife. This knife was made to be used and used hard. Uh, blade steel is RWL 34, which is cryogenically treated. Um, though some may argue that, and I would be one of those people that argue that this uh, RWL steel is not as good, um, or sorry, um, some would argue that this is relatively easy to sharpen, but is not as good as something like 20CV or M390. And uh, I really agree with that. Uh, out of all of the, the testing that I've done, I've had three Norsemen, all of them with the same blade steel, and I just don't feel that they perform as well as the M390 or the 20CV uh, blade steel knives that I have. But the one thing that it does have going for it, outside of it being this reflex deflex tanto, the blade steel itself is incredibly easy to sharpen to a hair popping, hair whittling uh, level of sharpness. It has relatively decent edge retention, and I feel like it's just a minute amount below uh, M390 or 20CV. Let's talk a little bit about cryo treatment, and this is just a, a, a cloud level observation of cryo treatment. I think that cryo treatment on itself uh, could be an entire episode, uh, but what cryo treatment is, it is using incredible cold um, cryostasis to treat steel to improve its stability and remove impurities. So this is a way uh, that you can treat blade steel to really bring out the best of it. Uh, so, you know, <laughs> Grimsmo is, is really doing their best to produce a really really phenomenal blade. And I've heard here recently with the with the COVID pandemic that they've had to to switch up their blade steels. And I'd be really interested to to grab one of those up and test it and see how it compares to to the original, the RWL thirty four that they've been using for so long. Uh, but you know, we'll see if that kind of opportunity presents itself. So the blade length on this knife is three point six inches. It feels substantially larger than that. I would say that it feels more like a four, 4.2 inch blade. Uh, overall length is around 8.6 inches titanium scales. Um, and like I said before, it's a hollow ground reflex deflex, uh, belly with a, um, with a nice tanto on the end of it. The spine of the blade is rounded, which that round shape uh, going into that tanto is going to give the blade a lot of rigidity. So this is the kind of blade that if you wanted to use it as a pry bar, uh, again, don't recommend that uh, with your blades, but this is a blade that is sturdy enough that it could handle that. The geometry in the blade is just, it, it is intended for abuse. <clears throat> um, one other thing that I really like about uh, the the Norseman is the is the beveling pattern that they put across the blade. So 
I'm I'm probably the same as most people in the community where I do not like Damascus knives, actual full-on Damascus knives. I think that they they look gorgeous, they're fantastic. If you want pocket jewelry, those they're the way to go. Uh, but if you're actually going to be using your knife, Damascus just doesn't doesn't fit the bill for me. You can't guarantee that the best steel is on that edge. You might get some impurities with the with the two steels melting together. I just don't don't like it. But what the Norseman has is they've CNC'd this bevel into the blade and it stair steps up like a ladder and gives the blade an almost Damascus look without losing the integrity of the blade steel. So you have the look, you have the appeal of of kind of like a, a, a bacon Damascus kind of thing, but you don't have any of the negatives that go along with it, which really makes this fantastic. So overall, hefty knife, super smooth, super, super smooth. Machining is phenomenal. Attention to detail is also phenomenal. One thing that um, most everybody that has had a, a Norseman knows, but maybe some other people don't, is inside the scales. So your blade is numbered, and then inside your scales, it has that it's manufactured in Canada uh, by Grimsmo and has the serial number on the inside of the scale as well. So your blade matches your scales, and all of the information is portrayed all throughout the knife. If you never disassemble your knife, you'd have to really pay attention to ever know that that milling is on the inside of your scales that has all of that information on it. <clears throat> so why this knife didn't meet the top five credentials? The main reason is it's a bitch to sharpen. So with the, the reflex of the belly, uh, I use a wicked edge. Uh, system to do all of my sharpening with the belly you almost have to use the edge of the stone to get a good proper grind across and then on top of that on top of having to worry about that you have a really exaggerated tanto um, so you've got two different bevels a tanto a reflex in the belly and then a relatively hard blade steel which turns this into a monster to sharpen by hand if I was using a belt, I think that that would alleviate a lot of that problem. You still have the tanto to deal with, and some people find sharpening to be a, a rather relaxing occurrence. I, who a uh, person that uses their knives on a regular basis, a tanto just overcomplicates my life more than I need it to and takes more time uh, than I need it to. That is really... The only thing that kept this knife from being top five. Uh, outside of that, everything about this knife is absolutely phenomenal. I am actually in the process of getting rid of this knife. So the top 10 list in 2021 will be changing up. Uh, the Norseman will be out of my collection more than likely. Uh, and I'll be looking for a new number six. So kind of a, a short overview of that knife, but for brevity's sake, we are going to continue on to number five. And we are officially in the top five list. So this top five list are knives that I have a hard time keeping out of my pocket. <clears throat> and number five is from none other than Enrique Pena. 
Uh, and Enrique brought this beautiful knife called the Mini Diesel uh, to our hands. Uh, this knife is manufactured by Riot, which a lot of people have a problem with Riot. I am not one of them. They make fantastic stuff. Now, any chance that I get, I try to to buy American, um, try to support American makers. Uh, when I do business myself in my, my other industries, I always try to buy American products. But we also can't discount that China in select occurrences really makes a phenomenal, phenomenal product. And Riot is, is one of those. Um, so this knife... Um, well, let's talk about Penna a little bit more. Penna has a ton of different designs. Uh, I've had multiple of them and really enjoyed all of them. Uh, some of them just had some some size constraints that uh, didn't appeal to me. One of those was the, the Swayback and the other was the, the Mula. Both of those knives are impeccably made, very well designed, super fun to have in the pocket, especially the Swayback is really fidgety uh, with the the front flipper uh, but both of those knives were just way too darn small for me to keep them uh, all of those knives are made by Riot and all of them did uh, Riot just did absolutely amazing at making every single one of them uh, so the the mini diesel is a three and a quarter inch blade with an overall length of seven and three quarter inches and uh, like we mentioned before we have got the bowler m 390 uh, another hollow ground blade which is oh just magnificent i love a good hollow ground blade and then this thing also rests on ceramic bearings so one thing that i had forgotten to do <clears throat> trying to rush through this uh, this podcast is i didn't open give you that asmr uh, feeling from the norseman so let's go ahead and do that really quick and then we're going to go back to the diesel so here is the norseman About chopped my fingernail off with that drop shut action. <clears throat> now let's go to the mini diesel. Mm. Definitely two different sounds in there. Uh, so mini diesel, let's talk a little bit about it. <clears throat> So we've got the the general dimensions of it. We've got that it's a hollow ground. This is another knife that has a really mild recurve or reflex uh, in the belly of the blade. It's not so much that it actually affects the, the sharpening, so it's not something that bothers me at all. And it definitely aids in the ability to cut with this knife. So using the belly... When you're going to cut into something, say you're cutting a cardboard box, it's kind of natural because of that little reflex uh, or deflex in the in the belly that when you're cutting, it wants to rest right there in the middle of the belly of the blade. And that is like your perfect cutting area right there. Um, so that's really fantastic. The blade is really beefy, real thick blade stock, but they have milled the back so that everything comes down to a real pokey, stabby point. So all fantastic with the, the blade. We've got double thumb stud jimping on the back of the blade as well. Um, the blade shape actually reminds me a lot of another one of the knives that's on my list, and that is the 
Chavez. Uh, so Chavez kind of has this complex grind exactly like the Pena does uh, with this mini diesel. It If you took the blade off of the, the Pena and put it on a, a set of Chavez scales, I would probably never know uh, that there was a difference unless... You know, you looked at the fact that it says Pena X series on the side. Uh, the blades are very, very similar uh, in in shape, grind, and look. Um, only really difference, real difference, is a little bit of a thumb ramp on the back uh, where the jimping is located. <laughs> the action of this knife is absolutely fantastic. The bearings are smooth as can be. The detent is a tiny bit tight, which I actually. Uh, like it really adds to the fidget factor of this knife so when you when you flip it it really springs open almost like a spring uh, spring assisted knife uh, detent out of the box is 100 percent tuned where i would like it but like i said maybe a little bit stiff for some other people and the mini diesel uh, i am the second person uh, to have this so i bought it on the secondary market and right out of the box is probably one of the sharpest uh, M390 blades that uh, that I have received to date. And it could be in part to the hollow grind. Uh, that really adds to the, the slicey feel of a knife, uh, but very, very sharp. The ergonomics of this knife are made to work. So the, the handle is really shaped like a, almost feels like a folded Bowie knife. So if a Bowie knife had a folder aspect to it, I would say that the mini diesel kind of hits that point. You've got a really over-exaggerated area for your index finger. The back uh, of the scale is rounded right around your pinky. And even for my large hands, I can fit my entire hand inside the real estate of the mini diesel. So it does kind of pinch my fingers a little bit, uh, but I can still pretty comfortably grip this knife. Definitely made for working. Uh, Carbon fiber scales, blue anodized hardware. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of the blue, uh, but it doesn't doesn't clash like the Wii streak that we talked about earlier in the podcast. Um, And the clip, the clip with this thing, Really stout, uh, really low-profile clip, so it's not hanging up on anything, but it's kind of a pain to put in the pocket, especially with thick jeans like mine. Uh, kind of have to fidget with it a little bit to get it to fit over uh, the edge of my pocket and clip in, but you know, really not a huge issue uh, with this. Um, <clears throat> so cons. We talked about the clip. Clips is way too stiff. Ooh, yep. The other one is disassembly of this knife. So I've disassembled this, I think, three times now uh, for cleaning. The first time was absolutely terrible. So getting the the carbon fiber scales off to access some of the other screws that are located underneath them is the absolute worst experience that you could possibly have trying to take a knife apart. It is horrible. Once you take them off the first time 
and you loosen up whatever was put on them. Uh, if anything was put on them, I'm not sure, but they were they were terrible the first time. Once you take it apart the first time, each uh, successive time after that just gets easier and easier. So there's no difference in the fitment of the of the scales once you've taken them off the first time, but they get way easier to take apart. Uh, so those would be two two cons uh, that I would have is really that the clip, much like the Wii Streak, is is really stiff, uh, kind of hard to get into the pocket. I would love to see a wire clip on this, to be honest. And on, I would really like to see wire clips available for most of these knives, uh, just because I feel like they're a little bit easier to work with and a little bit less conspicuous uh, sticking in your pocket. <clears throat> okay. The last item that we'll go over for the the mini diesel, and I apologize, I'm kind of going through my notes here. Um, I kind of jumped around in this little bit. Lock bar's position forward. Oh, yeah, the interesting part of the lock bar design. Uh, and I've seen this in a few other knives, uh, but this is one of the first ones that I've got to test it out on, is that your liner lock actually goes way up past the removable scales and goes into the titanium uh, part of the of the knife handle up towards the bolster. That area, it kind of forces you to put your thumb way up at the top, which comes in contact with the back of the blade before the blade can drop down and guillotine your finger, uh, kind of like the Norseman almost did to me at the beginning of the podcast. Um, so... I really liked that design. I'm not sure that very many other people have talked about it, uh, but that's definitely a little interesting part there. Is every time I go to unlock that, my fingernail comes in contact with the back of the blade, stops the blade from closing until I move my thumb out of the way and can close it the rest of the way. So that rounds up number five. So we finally hit the top five list, which is fantastic. So let's move on to number four. And number four is a knife that is really special uh, to me. This is a knife that when I received it, I absolutely despised it. I, within 24 hours, I wanted to sell this thing. I did not like it. I did not like how it felt. Did not like the action of it. And I decided at that very point that I would go ahead and put it in my pocket for a week try to overcome the problems that I had with it. And after that week, it has become a top five knife. The knife that we are talking about is the Giant Mouse Ace Sonoma. So Giant Mouse is another fantastic company, uh, consists mainly of uh, three guys. And the, the story of the company is actually pretty neat. So at an American knife show, this company was formed over drinks. I mean, it's kind of how we would like all of our companies to be formed uh, with a couple of good buddies, good friends, uh, well-known designers, having some drinks. Let's make a company. So uh, this, according to the website, happened around uh, 2015 at this knife show while having drinks. Uh, Jens Anso, Jesper Voxnes, and Jim Wirth uh, are the, the three, three main guys uh, of this company. And the, these three guys make phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal 
uh, products. Again, not everything that they've made is is for me. So I have had the uh, the Ace Nimbus, the Ace Biblio. Um, I held in Iona, uh, and none of those really sp- spoke to me uh, in the way that the Sonoma has. But um, I can kind of take this impartial look at them. Where yes, the knife design isn't specifically for me, but the knife design itself uh, in all of those knives was phenomenal they've done a great job uh, with manufacturing and i think one of the reasons why the the sonoma is kind of stuck out to me is a lot of the other ones were made uh, by an italian knife maker those italian knife makers seem to have a different set of standards with detents and lockups than most of us americans are are used to and that was my biggest issue with most of the other knives especially my biblio is the detent and the lockup Every time I tried to tune it, I just could not get it right where I wanted it, and that kind of killed that knife for me. The Sonoma, on the other hand, is manufactured by Riot, once again. Uh, and, and Riot did an absolutely fantastic job <coughs> with this one. So uh, Jesper and uh, Jens, they actually make really fantastic knives that are not only beautiful, but they're really made with a purpose. They're made uh, to be a fully functioning work, beat it to death kind of knife. The Sonoma is based on another knife that Giant Mouse has produced called the GM3. So the the GM3 uh, termed the gentleman's folder uh, on the, the Giant Mouse website is a little bit larger version of it, a little bit more sleek uh, version of it. Uh, but very, very interesting knife. Uh, seems to be just a skosh bigger. The Sonoma is just slightly bigger uh, than the, the GM3, but very, very similar uh, in looks. Okay, so the name Sonoma uh, actually comes from the county that is just north of Giant Mouse headquarters in California. So this would be talking about Sonoma County, California, an area that's very well known for its hills, valleys, uh, vineyards, and wine. And as as I read that on the, the website, I looked at this knife just a tiny bit different for just a, a couple of moments. So Named after a, a county that is very noted for hills, valleys, and vineyards, I all of a sudden looked at this knife as a wine and cheese knife. So we talked about the, the GM3 on the website being termed as the gentleman's folder and that this knife was manufactured after that. Uh, this knife has a, a nice sleek design. It's very, uh, very, uh, it's not intimidating in any way, uh, shape, or form. It's a nice sized knife, uh, but it looks pretty docile. Uh, It doesn't have that aggression that you find in a lot of EDC knives. It really has an elegance to it uh, that would make, you know, if you pulled this out at a wine tasting and flipped it open, you're not going to scare every person that's in there to death. Uh, So I could really see this knife being a, a wine and cheese knife. But with saying that, I also see this knife as an all-purpose utilitarian blade. So 
as I carry uh, this knife, uh, I could see cutting steak at a local steakhouse. So if I went out to eat, this has the same kind of size and uh, capabilities of a of a standard steak knife. I would definitely use it in in lieu of the the house knives that they give you that are dull as can be. Um, I can see this being a farmer's knife. You know, it, it has a lot of the same kind of geometries as a standard slip joint, albeit a little bit bigger than grandpa's slip joint. Uh, but I could see this being a knife that some some old farmer would have clipped to their belt uh, for the work day. I mean, there's there's literally an unlimited amount of uses for this. And another one is the the blade profile is so nice and thin, has a little bit of elongation, nice belly. I could see this using this as like a pseudo uh, trapper's knife or a fillet knife for fishing. Uh, trapping knife is one of the things that really comes to mind with me um, being a uh, used to be a trapper. Uh, this knife would be fantastic for for pelting, skinning animals. Uh, very good shape for all of that. So once again, we've got M390 blade steel, blade length of 3.4 inches, overall length of 8 inches. It is a um, blade mounted on bearings with titanium handles. Mine is actually uh, PVD coated, I believe. It's either PVD or... Yeah, okay, PVD. Um, very well designed. Fits in the hand really really well some cons so some more cons about this knife uh, there are really two of them and this is a common complaint that I have about a lot of knives uh, with this being a uh, frame lock knife I find myself with the the small scale size always touching that lock bar with my middle or my ring finger when I'm trying to open it. So I really have to, and that was one of the complaints that I had right off the start, uh, was that the fidget factor on this was really, really low. I had to train myself to rest those two fingers on the skeletonized clip so that when I open it, my fingers aren't in, infringing on, on the lock bar. <coughs> the other problem that I have with the knife is probably a lot because of it being made at Riot, is the chamfer lines where they meet at the lanyard loop. Uh, they are very, very sharp. And this could just be mine in particular, but I found this with a lot of Riot knives is that they leave sharp edges. Uh, there's just like that tiny little bit of finish work that is missed uh, right at the end of manufacturing. So I originally had a lanyard, on this Sonoma, uh, and I was actually watching the leather kind of cut and fray and chip and peel away for a long time, and I kept thinking, you know, like, why? This is good quality leather. Why is it disappearing all the time? When I removed the leather lanyard, I started noticing that it was doing that to my palm. So as I'd fidget with it for hours and hours and hours on end, I noticed that my palm was starting to get red, a little bit inflamed, found out that the chamfer edges uh, right next to that lanyard hole were really, really sharp. Uh, and I had to take a little file, file those down, uh, and then buff it to try to make that PVD look, you know, just like general wear and tear. Um, 
again, two very small problems to have with a knife uh, that is otherwise absolutely fantastic. So really, really, that's a pretty quick overview of uh, of those three knives. I wanted to get this this episode out, um, and just for brevity's sake, I tried to do a little bit quicker of a review on these three because now we're going to get into the meat and potatoes of the top three knives. Uh, as I also stated, I wanted to get this done before the end of the year, so it was crucial that I got this episode out tonight so that tomorrow night, uh, as we're moving into the new years, I can get that top three list out. So, I uh, apologize that this has been a little bit uh, off-kilter, a little bit discombobulated, uh, trying to add that third knife in there and cutting some of this information uh, that I had on the first two. You know, it uh, it is what it is. But uh, once again, I have really enjoyed talking to everybody. I uh, look forward to touching base with everybody again tomorrow, and then I'm looking forward to doing different content uh, going into the beginning of the year. So I've got a few uh, watch reviews and talking about watches, and I've got a lot more quotes uh, that I cannot wait to get into. So thank you all for joining in, and I'll talk to you tomorrow.